Why Watch That is a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. While nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome Welcome to to Why Watch Watch That. So why watch that TV talk? Well, 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 listeners, we've got some (laughs) more TV to talk to you about. Oh. Um, Yeah, we do. We have a couple, you know, we usually try to keep it fresh and young and hip and tight. All those things. <laughs> we have um, season finale, series finale, series finale, folks. We've got one of those. Mini series premiere, and, you know, technically it's finale. A series premiere, season premiere. I mean, we've got it all. It's just, you know, we love to call this kind of TV talk potpourri. You just throw it all in there and then you wish it around and see what floats <laughs> the first thing that floats is we're talking about floating and high yeah. high maintenance on hbo we've got a season finale of that now this is one of the the critics um i wouldn't say favorites but it's a faithful one to you you've, you've watched every episode um and reminding our listeners that it's not something i i, I feel like you can chime in or, you know, if you have HBO, you can just watch it anytime because exactly. it's not like you're going to get lost in uh, a through line story. But it's our favorite drug dealer. <laughs> what, are, what are they up to now? What's he doing? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the question is, is HBO going to cancel this like they cancel crashing? You know HBO is trying to gear up to take over, even well, though you know they got to run after Amazon Prime and, and Netflix at this point. Well, once again, <laughs> High Maintenance has delivered a successful season, so let's keep it. Now, keep in mind that this show essentially provides snapshots of the different kinds of characters who live in the boroughs of New York City, okay? Hey, hey. Somehow creators Katya of Blitchfeld and Ben Sinclair, who also stars as the guy in the show, that drug dealer. Somehow they have ideas to spare. I don't know how they do it. It never gets old. Uh, now, it is important to emphasize that this is a show for adults. Now, is everything explicit? No, but some things are and you won't know. So just beware. Also, each episode is around 30 minutes long and contains two separate and vastly different stories, even when they're connected by particular themes. So High Maintenance is really the TV show equivalent of a collection of short stories. That's how you want to think about it. And considering that, the writing and the casting, they deserve extra kudos. After all, while the guy, you know, the drug dealer? Yeah. He's shown more of his personal life this season. We've seen a love interest. We've seen his friends. And while he's the show's constant, that doesn't make him its focus. And so here are some highlights from the third season that'll give you a feel. Are we ever going to get a name? Jeez. No. (laughs) But see, if you watch it, it kind of makes sense. You don't even think about it. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, it's just this dude that shows up with your product. 
<laughs> so here are some highlights from the third season. So you highlights overall. Uh, in the second episode, both storylines focus on people who use Craigslist for vastly different reasons. One to find a stolen bike, which takes them to unexpected places. Okay. The other to sell items so that she can give her customers quite the surprise when they arrive at her apartment. Okay. In episode four, Jemima Kirk, who starred in Girls, plays a fictionalized version of herself, representing all that's annoying about actors on set. Okay. She shows up late. She wants to change her outfit uh, outfit during reshoots, of all things. Okay, and you can imagine the challenges that brings. So, in addition to that, the great Amy Ryan plays the, the film's exasperated producer. So that was nice to see. Then in perhaps my favorite episode of this season, Ken Lung plays a veterinarian who dabbles in microdosing mushrooms. Oh, Lord. Which leads to hilarious, then disastrous consequences. And in the second to last episode, Rosie Perez <laughs> plays a woman who is obsessed with a lifelike baby doll. Now, this confuses her husband, who, by the way, is placed by Scandal's Guillermo Diaz, and causes quite the stir when they venture out onto the city streets. And so, High Maintenance is a show that you can't quite pin down. You never know what kind of story you're going to see next. And that makes it the perfect match for New York City, resulting in one of the most singular and best shows on TV today. What? Mm-hmm. That was an interesting... You didn't hear that, did you? He said one of the best shows, which he does not give that out lightly. No. But there is another show that you thoroughly enjoyed in its final season. Yes, we are saying goodbye to Catastrophe, which is on Amazon Prime. And remember, this was the most unlikely pairing. Uh, One from the States, one from, what, somewhere in London or maybe Mm -hmm. uh, England. And they, you know, we know something happens on the first date. (laughs) There's a result of something that happens. And then fast forward into season four, Will this couple make it? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, uh, and you're gonna get you're gonna tell us about how this thing ends. Yes. So, uh, like you were alluding to, after having what was supposed to be a short-lived romantic liaison, mm. Sharon, played by co-creator Sharon Horgan, and Rob, played by a co-creator Rob Delaney, got pregnant. Yeah. Then Rob, instead of disappearing from the face of the earth. <laughs> decided to move from the States to London to be a father. Then he became Sharon's husband. Then, despite their constant bickering, they had another child. Then they bickered even more. And now in season four, things start where they left off at the end of season three. Rob was injured in an accident when his car was hit by another vehicle. However, Rob was driving drunk. Oh, crap. And by the way, he's an alcoholic. Oh, bigger crap. And so, while in court, in a plea for leniency, he tells everyone that Sharon's transgressions with a young man were to blame for his behavior. (laughs) Okay, this is the kind of show you get. And then he's sentenced to perform community service. He also starts attending AA meetings, which brings him face-to-face with a woman who says that she was injured as a result of Rob's accident. Which is, how do you think that turns out? Mm -hmm. 
Also, Rob's sister, Sydney, shows up for a visit with her new foster child in tow. But for some reason, Sydney won't feed him Sharon's food. You see, this kid gets special food from a special Tupperware container. Oh, jeez. Oh, and by the way, uh, Sydney's now a Quaker, which unexpectedly seems intriguing to Rob. <laughs> okay, but just how do you think all of that's going to end up? And just what do you think is going on with Sharon, who has troubles of her own, of course, in the midst of all of this? I mean, this is called catastrophe, right? Well, Sharon, while trying to manage her nerves in regard to Rob's alcoholism, resorts to stalking him and to treating herself and her son to some impromptu shopping. But just how does she pay for that shopping, huh? Okay. Also, Sharon encounters unexpected feedback from one of her students at school. And while you'll never guess what happens, I'll just tell you that the student's parents have to get involved. Also, she has to contend with a new headmaster at school, and it's all rather awkward, of course, as Rob seems to find a kindred spirit in his boss, who's played by Chris Noth, Mr. Big himself. (laughs) Okay, that causes some tension. Uh, In addition, Rob's and Sharon's challenging friends, Fran and Chris, are still estranged, which is still causing trouble because after Chris punched out Fran's boyfriend last season, he's now dating a younger woman. Then Fran decides to retaliate. So just where do you think all of that's going to end up? And of course, there are many more challenges that Rob, Sharon, and their family and friends have to face before it's all said and done. Plus, they handle the loss of the late, great Carrie Fisher, who played Rob's mom, in a way that fits rather well with the show overall. And so with that, we all must bid a fond farewell to Catastrophe. Sharon and Rob, as this show's sole writers and creators, have decided to call it quits because they've said everything they needed to say in regards to the show. But here's what I have to say in return. The reason why Catastrophe works is because it features characters who say what people really say when they're being honest. Now, this creates comedy in certain situations and a teeny bit of drama in others, along with a mixture of both at times, because sometimes Rob and Sharon and others purposely speak freely about people in sensitive subjects right in front of those people's faces. Oh. However, at other times, they purposely speak freely behind those people's backs, (laughs) or they blurt out the truth at the wrong times, or they hold it all in only to explode in the privacy of their own homes. They also manage to argue and say mean things to each other while still seeming like they actually care. I mean, you just never know what's going to happen next. And yet when it does, it makes ridiculously perfect sense. And so if you haven't seen Catastrophe and you'd like to watch a good comedy that can believably morph into a light drama when it wants to, as it focuses on relationships and the awkwardness of adulthood, then you must check it out. After all, its entire run is a total of 24 episodes at around 30 minutes apiece, so it won't take too long to go from the beginning to the end and watch the evolution of a relationship that somehow beats the odds in the face of continually less than perfect circumstances. Wow, you know what? Hats off to Catastrophe. It has kept you entertained for quite some time, Critic. I think I may check it out. Let's go to a mini-series premiere (laughs) called Manhunt. Hmm. Hmm. Now, it's its first season, so it says, and it's all three episodes are there for you to watch. However, 
you're going to have to have Acorn TV. <laughs> Which, where did you find this, by the way? Well, you can get, you, you can have, there's a one week free trial that the listeners can, you know, take advantage of, but, you know, look for Acorn TV. And we already know it's renewed for season two. The question is, will you be extending your free trial, Critic, to check out the season two when it comes? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Now look, Acorn, Acorn TV, it's an app. Um, it's a website as well. And what they do is provide um, British programming and uh programming from around the world a bit some australian stuff is there and this is stuff that you can't find otherwise in the states or in canada um some of it might show up on prime later but they get it first so if you're an anglophile this is for you oh wow that did not that sounds very um much like what you don't want to be (laughs) (laughs) so not (laughs) I mean, if you like British entertainment. Yeah, I just heard Anglo. <laughs> <laughs> now, Manhunt. Okay. From 2004 to 2006, a murder case gripped the UK. They love murder over there. Yeah. Now, this all began on August 19th, 2004. That night, a 22-year-old French student named Amélie de Lagrange was attacked by an unidentified person. Then someone happened upon her and got some help, but to no avail. Unfortunately, Amelie died of her injuries in the hospital. But just who was the killer? Oh, gosh. Well, the man tasked with figuring that out is Detective Chief Inspector Colin Sutton, played by Doc, Doc Martin's Martin Clunes. And the stakes couldn't be any higher for him, not only because of the tragic nature of the case, but also because this is DCI Sutton's first time leading an investigation. You see, this is his first assignment as senior investigating officer. (laughs) And so he has a lot to prove. I mean, his career is on the line. Mm -hmm. Now, while DCI Sutton has strong opinions about how to do things, there are obstacles in his way. For one, his superiors want him to do certain things in certain ways. And for two, there really aren't any clues in regard to finding the killer. But there is another case that's being handled by another police department that has similarities. Even still, the detectives on that case believe they've caught their man, which DCI Sutton's not so sure about. And the conflict that arises as a result also has repercussions for Sutton's marriage. You see, he's married to an analyst for that other police department. Oh, no. And she winds up caught between Sutton's Rock and her department's hard place. (laughs) Uh That didn't sound right, but okay. (laughs) And to add insult to injury, Sutton has a teenage daughter from a previous marriage whose life, like all females around her age in the area, might not be so safe. And so will DCI Sutton be able to marshal his detectives to find Amelie's killer? And along the way, just who will be trampled over in that pursuit? Also in the end, will there be any justice not only for Amelie, but also for the other young women who've lost their lives so tragically? All right, now look. Yes. Here's what I have to say about Manhunt, which by the way, is based on an actual case. Get out of, wait, oh my God. Yes, so this is real. Now, 
This is for people who want to see a true blue detective procedural. What does that mean? So this isn't the kind of show that has all kinds of ridiculous twists and turns. Mm Mm-mm. I mean, of course, there are things that are revealed throughout the season's three episodes, but there's nothing shocking. Now, why is that? Because Manhunt takes you step by step through Sutton's and Sutton's team's process of finding the culprit. And frankly, I found that refreshing. It was nice to just watch people, both the characters and the actors, go to work. Martin Clunes as Sutton is smart and polite when needed, but boy, oh boy, if you do something that doesn't make sense to him... He has no problem saying it right to your face. Okay, this is the kind of guy you look at and go, okay, he doesn't want to be in the conflict, only to find out he's more than willing (laughs) to use his intellect and determination to let you know what the deal is. So it was a nice personality mix to watch, and Clunes' clean and straightforward acting style was a great fit. The same goes for the show overall. At its best, it's clean, straightforward, and focused. However, the one knock that I have is that there were a few moments when the wife and the daughter got in the way of Sutton doing his job, which was most unwelcome. Essentially, look, this show isn't much concerned with the personal stuff. Uh, So when those moments happened, I just felt like they were not only in Sutton's way, but also in my way as a viewer. I mean, excuse me, we have a case to solve here. (laughs) (laughs) On the other hand, though... The one personal conflict that I did find interesting was when Sutton's wife, Louise, would try to help Sutton via her expertise as an analyst, only to have him poo-poo it. And the reason that worked was because it was relevant to the case. Hello, I mean, Sutton not being able to go to your brother's wedding and Sutton forgetting to show up for his own birthday party or dinner, which angered his daughter, of course, didn't matter much to me. Sorry, again, we got a case to solve here. (laughs) Even still, overall, Manhunt doesn't contain too much of those annoyances, and the result is a mostly brisk and uncomplicated watch. I liked it. Well, the question is, are you going to gear up for season two Mm -hmm. by subscribing to Acorn TV? I might give them a month for it. We'll see. How much is it? You know, when I looked it up on their website, it said... $4.99 Four ninety nine for a month and forty nine ninety nine for a year. Okay. But then via iTunes, it was seven, saying six ninety nine a month and sixty nine ninety nine a year. I don't know. Okay, so listeners, that means you have to go and do your homework if you're interested in Acorn TV. We have an announcement. We're on a new platform. What? Listen, we are expanding listeners, and we'd like to give you an opportunity to come on the tour with us. Yeah, that's right, because beginning on April 6th, 2019, we will be on television radio every Saturday at 11 a.m. How do you spell that? That's T-E-L-L-Y-V-I-Z-I-O-N. And you can go to television.com. You can also go where, Ref? To our website, whywatchthat.com. Hey, and you'll see the link to the radio show there. Don't miss it. Don't do it. Let's now do our homework and 
dive right into these series premieres. Yes, we've got some new stuff coming. <laughs> and one of them is led by the sexiest man in the world. Oh my god. We'll get to that in a second. Shrill on Hulu is uh is available for you to watch now. All six episodes are there. The question is, what is it? And are we gonna watch it? Oh. Well, SNL's AD Bryant. Yes. Who co- will watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she co-developed the show. She co-wrote the pilot. So she stars as Annie, a woman who lives in Portland and who lacks self-confidence. She gets pushed around and put down by various people in her life. She even gets the business from strangers, including a personal trainer who, without being asked, tells Annie that she just knows that she can help her be the person she wants to be. Now, this person that Annie must want to be is a skinny person, of course. But the focus is really on the various domains of Annie's life. Romantically, she's involved with a guy who just wants to get physical and then send her on her way through his back door before anybody can see. Gosh, disgusting. And the way that ends will probably surprise you. Professionally, Annie's a journalist who's trying to be taken seriously by her editor, who's played by John Cameron Mitchell, and who's a jerk, okay? And he's not the only one. However, Annie does have a support system. There's her work friend, Amadi, played by Ian Owens. There's her mom, played by former SNL cast member, Julia Sweeney, who doesn't always say and do the right things, but her heart's in the right place. There's her musician dad, played by Home Alone's Daniel Stern, who's undergoing cancer treatments, yet still maintains a gentle smile on his face. And there's her best friend and housemate, Fran, played by Lali Adefope, with just the right amount of attitude, who's the antithesis of Annie. Fran wants Annie to call an end to the pity party and demand what's hers. And so will Annie continue to be other people's doormats? Or will she find a way, slowly but surely, to assert herself and become the woman she hopes to be? Mm. Now, look, all of this might make Shrill, which is based on Lindy West's memoir of the same name, sound like a complete downer. I mean, who really wants to watch somebody constantly get dumped on? Right. However, by the end of the first episode, Annie does manage to fight back, though it's rather awkward, of course. (laughs) And throughout the season, she continues to build on that with mixed results, which I didn't mind watching. Also, when she goes too far in asserting herself, someone's there to set her straight, I'll tell you that. Even still, I do have to say that some of the transitions here aren't as smooth as they should be. And every now and then, AD has a monologue. I mean, it just sounded like something that someone would take to an acting class to rehearse with the teacher. Regardless, though. If you're interested in the premise, or if you like 80, or if you like the sensibilities of executive producers Lorne Michaels and Elizabeth Banks, mm-hmm. I say check out the first episode. After that, you'll know whether this is the show for you. And since the first season is comprised of just six episodes, as the ref said, that each lasts under 30 minutes, Shrill makes for a fairly easy binge. However, it doesn't have to be binged to work. Now, Let's go on to another place where you can binge. Another series premiere called Turn Up Charlie A on Netflix. Now, I did say that the sexiest man in the world is in this. And again, this is according to People Magazine and me. 
Thank you for the reportage. <laughs> He's the reigning king right now. Yes, I'm talking about Idris Elba. Oh my gosh, we can't get enough. I can't get enough. I don't know about the, the critics. But he's now in a comedy? What? Yeah. yeah. He's in a comedy. Listen, mm. at this point, Idris Elba is doing exactly what he wants to do. He just hosted SNL. He's directed a movie called Yardy. He just put out a single. <laughs> and now he's in a comedy about a washed up DJ. <laughs> it, it, tell us about Turn Up Charlie, yeah. please. And he took Will Smith's role. <laughs> what? Uh, in uh, Deadshot. He's the new Deadshot now. Deadshot? Yes, you didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Can't get enough. Can't get enough. Okay. So Idris, uh, look, he must have been inspired by Kevin and This Is Us. Okay? Because he's decided to star as a nanny named Charlie in a TV show. Love it. A TV show that he co-created, by the way, right? Like you said. Now, Charlie isn't really a nanny. In actuality, he's, yes, as you said, a DJ, which shouldn't be a shock because... Idris is obsessed with DJing. We know this. Well, he considers himself a musician first and an actor second, so I, okay. <laughs> okay. However, Charlie is a DJ who spent a little bit of time in the sun only to find himself back in relative obscurity. But he's determined to make it big nonetheless. He has a friend named Dell who doesn't do anything other than stay at his home to crack jokes and be in the way. <laughs> and he lives with his aunt Lydia in his parents' home. He's also unmarried without kids, which is fine by him, but it displeases his parents who aren't above guilting him into giving them money he doesn't have. Hmm. And so with all of these pressures weighing down on Charlie, he reluctantly agrees to look after Gabby. Just don't call him a nanny or a manny. But here's the catch. Gabby's the young daughter of one of his childhood friends who has a successful music career. And ditto goes for his friend's wife. So, if Charlie nannies Gabby, he might be able to use his friends to find lasting success. The only problem is that Gabby's a challenge. Of course. She's too smart for her age and too neglected by her parents. Of course. And as a result, she just loves to get under people's skin, especially her nannies, who never last long. And so, will Charlie be able to deal with Gabby long enough to leverage his friend's recording studio and connections? Or will Gabby prove to be too much? I'll tell you this. You already know the answer. Yeah, yeah. All right. Here's what you need to know about Turn Up Charlie overall. It's a show for people who don't mind the thought of a poop or dildo joke. Or who love to watch sarcastic little kids outsmart adults with their wits. Oh, gosh. Or who love interest enough to overlook all of that. Oh, So if that's you, go for it. After all, each episode, again, this is a recurring theme in this, in what we're talking about, Raph. It's under 30 minutes. 30 minutes, yeah. However, if that's not you, just know that you'll probably be annoyed. (laughs) Were you annoyed? Yes. (laughs) I knew it. (laughs) He is the sexiest man alive. Now moving on (laughs) to someone who has yet to be the sexiest man alive. Paul Giamatti. (laughs) We're waiting on that one. Season premiere of Billions. Yes, it's back for its fourth season on Showtime. Now, this is a cat and mouse chase that's been going on for four years. Are you reading my notes? No, I'm not. (laughs) I'm not. I totally am not. 
Um, I don't even have access to your notes. <laughs> it's a cat and mouse chase that's been going on for four years. And the question is, how long can we chase the tail before we finally get a bite? Oh. And we are headed into some complicated waters this season because... Yeah, well, you're going to tell us why. <laughs> yeah. So, the first episode of the fourth season of Billions, unsurprisingly, thrusts us right back into the thick of things for Axe, played by Damian Lewis, and Chuck, played by the, well, you said the upcoming Sexiest Man, sexiest man Alive, Paul Giamatti. <laughs> 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 no. After Taylor Mason, played by Asia Kate Dillon, left Axe in the dust to form their own rival fund. Axe is now out for blood. Of course. However, as we saw in season three, Taylor now has a major international player, played by a certain famous actor, in their corner. So the battle's on. Also, after three seasons of, here it is, cat and mouse games, Jeez. and countless moments of one-upmanship, Keep in mind that Axe and Chuck, along with Axe's secret weapon, Wendy, who's also Chuck's wife, yes. and is played by Maggie Sith, are now in cahoots. Uh-oh. As we saw at the end of season three, since Chuck's out as U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York, <laughs> he no longer has the need to try to make his bones by going after Axe and the feelings mutual. However, this doesn't mean that Chuck doesn't have other enemies to contend with. Mm -hmm. After all, Chuck's former protege, Brian Connerty, played by Toby Leonard Moore, has now taken over as U.S. Attorney. Yeah. And there's no love lost between the two. Ditto for the U.S. Attorney General, who's played by Clancy Brown. Mm. In addition, Chuck's father is still worried about his son, which means that he's really worried about his own rep. He can't be trusted otherwise. And he's worried because while Chuck has set his sights on becoming the attorney general for the great state of New York, Chuck's enemies are coming after his record as U.S. attorney, which means that Chuck must protect his past accomplishments and prove that he still has clout. Because as always is the case in billions, no one's safe and everyone's position of power is on the line. And here's this show's main message. The craziness that you're seeing is actually how this world works. (laughs) But here's what I'm constantly asking myself as I watch it. Why should I care? Mm. I mean, look, Billions is way too enamored with itself and too clever to actually make you care about any of these people. The characters love to tell long-winded stories and make far-flung references in order to make their obvious points seem more hilarious, profound, and interesting. And so, unless you really enjoy this show's sensibility and humor and like peering into its world overall, Billions might require a little too much work to follow. And while the cast is invested and the rhythms are right, Billions' potential for substance is belied by way too many surface pleasures. And as a result, I'm really not quite sure whether I should continue to watch it or not. We'll see. We'll see. I'm on the fence. I know you, you, but you've been on the fence before, so we'll see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on now to finally, dun dun dun. Here we go. The highly anticipated season. I think I might get CBS All Access for this. <laughs> I'll borrow someone's. <laughs> <laughs> Called the Good Fight. You know, 
that we've been covering this for two seasons. We're back for season three. Diane is still fighting from the good wife. She's fighting. She's fighting everybody. Now she's fighting in the good fight. <laughs> and, uh, and but we we love the cast here. I, I do. I just every time I see this cast expand and, and go and do, we just love it more and more. Please share with us the good fights season premiere. I got a lot to say. I know you do with this one. Now look, a plague of NDAs has descended upon the trusty lawyers of Reddick, Bozeman, and Lockhart. First of all, now deceased former name partner Carl Reddick's past has reared its ugly head during the firm's attempt to add some gloss to its image. And let's just say that it has Me Too written all over it. Yeah, yeah. Now, this puts the entire firm in a terrible position. Exactly what are they supposed to do to protect their image and the people who knew nothing about Reddick's behavior while making appropriate and well-deserved amends on behalf of a dead civil rights icon? (laughs) Plus, Reddick's daughter, Liz, played expertly by Audra McDonald. Yes, yes. Is a current named partner who, after she finds out about her father's past behavior, takes matters into her own hands. Oh, yeah, she does. In spite of the mild objections of her ex-husband and fellow named partner, Adrian Bozeman, who's played by a spot on Delroy Lindo. You know he does it. Uh-huh. And then there are the continued troubles of Diane Lockhart, played by the always wonderful Christine Bavransky. Diane's finally happy in her marriage to Kurt. Uh, you know what? I've been waiting for you to say that. Who's played by an effortless Gary Cole. Oh, we yeah. We love him. But you know what, Ref? When Diane's happy, you know that danger's on the horizon. Exactly. Every <laughs> single time. That poor woman. <laughs> and that danger ultimately comes in the form of, you guessed it, an NDA. An NDA. Mm. But the NDA isn't hers. It's her husband's. But just who asked him to sign it? Well, you'll definitely have to watch this to find that out. <laughs> yeah. But wait, there's more. Oh, boy. A third NDA rears its ugly head in regard to a certain woman whom Diane wants to use to bring down, wait for it now, Donald Trump. <laughs> and somehow this connects to Naomi Nivola, played by a simmering Keisha Sharp, who played Johnny Cochran's wife in The People vs. OJ. Oh, my gosh. Now, keep in mind that Naomi's a former law student of Adrian's and a former classmate of Liz's, who's currently a news anchor and who currently knows something dirty about the firm. Oh, dirty. But to help her forget about the firm's dirty laundry, she receives a little tip about something else from a trusted source. Hmm. In addition, we witnessed the transformation of Maya Rendell, played with just the right amount of nervous energy by Game of Thrones' Rose Leslie. Yes. As a result of some keen advice from Marissa Gold, played by the ever-so-sharp Sarah Steele, mm-hmm. Maya learns how to assert herself and get what she wants, but guess what? It's a whole lot of fun to see that. Hmm. Plus, don't forget about Luca Quinn. Right. Played with appropriate wariness and exasperation by Coach Jumbo, who's now a new mother and who was offered a promotion due to the firm's image problems. Mm, I'm sure. But is it a promotion that Luca wants or is she in a position to refuse? Oh, and by the way, 
All of this is just from the first episode of this new season. Uh huh. Oh now, look, <laughs> here's the thing. As you know, I've always been a fan of the good fight. You have. And remember, as the ref said earlier, I'm going to say it again. Both of us were huge fans of this show's precursor, The Good Wife. Oh, yes. But I do have to say that after watching this show's latest installment, I'm an even bigger fan of The Good Fight. Oh, come on. Why are you doing that to me? <laughs> Absolutely. I think I've fallen in love in fact. Mm. But the question is this. Will I remain in love? If it's well, love. Well, here, well, look. Maybe it's maybe it's infatuation. Now, look. <laughs> here's what kept my pulse racing during the Good Fight's latest episode, which reflects what this show can do at its best. First of all, creators Robert and Michelle King wrote and directed an episode that tackled current polarizing topics head-on without feeling heavy-handed. They just have a way of injecting both complexity and humor into weighty issues without shying away from them. They're so good. So good. Plus, they managed to present different viewpoints from both expected and unexpected perspectives. And they keep it all gliding by at the same time. In addition, the way they frame scenes and block characters is the perfect fit for their storytelling. Love it. And then there are all these wonderful actors. Mm. I mean, of course, the leads are all uniformly great. Their rhythms, chemistry, and intelligence shine through at all times. But in addition to that, even the guest stars and recurring actors are wonderful. I mean, they casted, wait for this rep, they casted the never-to-be-messed-around-with Regina Taylor. Oh. In a pivotal role in this season's first episode. But it was a role that required the opposite of what Regina's typically hired to do. There was no scenery chewing here, and it worked beautifully. In addition, in the episodes to come, they've casted the masterful Michael Sheen. Yes, I saw. (laughs) As a lawyer that you'll have to see to believe, okay? Think Roy Cohn and Roger Stone. Yeah, okay. It's going to be so much fun. But that's not all. Because along with all of that, the Kings will use music, animation, and CGI at times to actually advance the plot and explain complex subjects with fun and ease. And so, if the whole third season of The Good Fight is going to proceed in the same fashion, I'm sure that it will be this show's best season so far. But even if they don't maintain that kind of level throughout, I'm sure that it won't matter much because The Good Fight has yet to disappoint. Ooh, CBS Access, you trying to get my money? (laughs) Now listen, (laughs) listeners, this has been a potpourri of television. We've covered every angle we can think of. (laughs) Always catch us on our website if you want to dip around for a little bit more. But hey, get busy. You've got a lot of TV to watch. Mm. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea. And we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.